Hi everyone and welcome to NBTV. You are watching Crypto Beat where we bring you all of the latest and greatest in crypto, all the breaking news, the things you need to be aware of. Sometimes we have some great tips as well. So we'll see what is in store for you today. I'm going to run down all of the topics that we are going to cover in today's show. So to start off with, we're going to be talking about Russia potentially accepting Bitcoin for oil, which is you know, very interesting news there. We'll dive into kind of the history of their dollarization and the dollarization of uh, oil trading and how different countries are now moving away from that. So really interesting news. If they go to crypto, we'll talk about what that means for Bitcoin. Uh, then we're going to be talking about Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing with Bitcoin, the way that it's kind of been this lifeline for people in the Ukraine. A great story came out from CNBC, actually. So we're going to dive into that. Usually mainstream media doesn't cover this stuff favorably, but this was a great article highlighting the benefits of being self-sovereign with your money. And then finally, we're talking about what's going on in St. Martin. So there's a politician there who has just opted to have his entire salary paid in Bitcoin cash. Bitcoin cash is super, super popular, not just in St. Martin's, but St. Kitts and all the nearby islands. Hundreds of merchants accept it. So I want to dive into some of those details, which are pretty interesting. So to start us off today, I want to remind everyone that we bring you a nice little crypto quiz uh, every show. You will see at the bottom of the screen some quiz questions pop up during the course of the show. So make sure that you are typing in your answers into the live stream box and we will be choosing a winner, someone who's answered all of the questions correctly. And at the end of the show, they win eternal glory, which is just such a great prize. Who doesn't want eternal glory? So make sure that you are sending us those answers there. We're going to be keeping an eye on that. And I'm also figuring out how to give out real prizes for these. So this might start to get more serious. So make sure that you're you're answering these questions. Let's uh, let's dive into it here. So uh, let me just uh, da, 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 da. just sorry just pausing the thing here so that nothing distracts me. I want to start off by talking about Russia. So recent news, uh, Russian lawmakers have suggested that they might be accepting Bitcoin for oil payments which is is pretty interesting. Now, this comes after pressure from Western sanctions. And so now mull, uh, Russia is mulling over other currency options for the sale of natural resources. And Bitcoin has come up as an option. This was suggested uh, after a Duma committee chairman during a press conference mentioned it, said we're looking at a bunch of other currencies and Bitcoin could be included. So I want to quickly just dive into a little bit of history about how dollars relates to oil. Why is it that everyone trades oil for dollars? Why is it such a scandal that, you know, Russia is kind of moving away from using the dollar? So Bretton Woods, you guys have probably heard of that. Um, it was a gold exchange uh, standard across the world. So after the collapse of Bretton, world, uh, Bretton Woods in the early 1970s, the US struck a deal with Saudi Arabia to standardize oil prices in dollar terms. And through this, the petrodollar was born. So petrodollars, basically dollars that are paid for oil producing countries uh, for oil. So in this agreement, this was a bilateral agreement where Saudi Arabia, uh, starting in 1974, they managed to convince Saudi Arabia and uh, influence other members of OPEC. So this is the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, You've probably heard the term OPEC. They basically convinced them to standardize the sale of oil in dollars. If you don't know about o OPEC, I mean, they're a giant, incredibly powerful cartel. They basically manage the supply of oil. They set the price of oil for the world market. They have really tight controls 
controls over this. Um, the aim is to kind of avoid fluctuations that might affect the economies of both the producing and purchasing countries um, of this oil. And so you have countries that belong to this, like Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela. There, there are a bunch of them. There are like 13, I think. So anyway, the OPEC is also responsible for like global recessions, higher prices uh, that occurred in the 1970s, uh, embargoes, and all of that. They they're terribly influential, but US is also very influential, and Russia, as like the second largest producing oil producing country, uh, is also incredibly influential. And some people say that actually they completely control OPEC as well. There's a, there's a lot of kind of controversy around that. So anyway. You're asking why did OPEC agree to denominate this in dollars? What did they get out of it? Well, in return for invoicing oil in dollars, Saudi Arabia and these other Arab states, they secured US influence, essentially. So they got things like military assistance during an increasingly worrisome uh, political climate. There were things like the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, lots of things going on at that time. So in exchange, they agreed that, yeah, okay, well, we'll denominate everything in US dollars. So what does that mean for US dollars? It's in like incredibly beneficial. The US dollars basically became the world currency. The petrodollar system elevated the US dollar to the world currency status. And through this, you know, it also provided US financial markets with a source of liquidity, foreign uh, capital inflows. And if you think about what's going on right now with all of this inflation, it's crazy that we've been printing so much money and we haven't seen, you know, hyperinflation. I mean, who's going to be accepting US dollars when we know that the central bank is just printing astronomical amounts? Well, actually, because it's this world reserve currency and because all OPEC oil is traded in US dollars, there's been this continued demand for it, regardless of how much it's been printing. So actually, the fact that it's this reserve currency has probably stemmed how much um, uh, value the US dollar has lost, which is kind of interesting. So uh, definitely beneficial to the US to have everyone by default using US dollars for trade. So you have these OPEC members who are trading oil for dollars and uh, and the use of the US dollar as this main oil trading currency, it's not gonna be changed overnight, even though people have talked over the years about this changing. It's a very difficult thing to, to change. So how does Russia fit into this? Russia is not part of OPEC. So where do they come in? Why are they you know, dollarizing everything? Well, because the US became this global reserve currency, it also became super popular across the world for all these current countries to do all their international trading in US dollars. And so it was you know, largely because OPEC and, and other things, but US dollars just kind of became the standard means of trading. And Russia actually was using, is using uh, US dollars a lot, but they stopped. They started extricating themselves from using US dollars when they started getting sanctions back in 2014, right? So de-dollarization uh, in Russia sort of began around 2014. This was when the US first started imposing sanctions. Uh, that's when we had all of the debacle of the Crimea and, and Russian, you know, annexing the Crimea. And uh, so they started to de-dollarize back then. So in like 2018, there was a new round of stringent US sanctions. And that's when Russia expedited the withdrawal of its reserves out of US government bonds. Like they really started to become more financially independent, not rely on the US dollar. It all began out of their so, uh, let me 
go here. So, um, you know, one of the measures that was adopted by the US during this time in terms of sanctions, so they repeatedly banned Russia's use of the dollar. And so it actually did affect Russia. So Russia's probably thinking at that time, well, how do we get to a place where we are not so dependent on US dollars? US currency is the most used currency for international tra trade. Oh, apparently I'm super pixelated right now. Things look, things look good on my end. You guys, uh, ah, what, what do I do? Shall, shall I refresh? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Sam, Sam, my producer, what do I do? Is it bad? All right, let me refresh, guys. They're looking better. All right, well, you guys stick with me. So uh, let's uh, let's keep going. I just want to give this this rundown here. So um, American currency is the most used in international trade, and even payments in local currencies were often converted into the U.S. equivalent. So. The fact that Russia was so reliant on US dollars because of this international trade, Roaming Savage says, no, nah, it's fine. All right, you guys, you guys are good. Um, so Russia started to extricate itself, but so did a lot of other countries around the world. Among this initiative to start to de-dollarize, um, we've got China, we've got Turkey, Iran, India, Brazil. Um, okay, everyone is saying that my sound is going in and out. and My, <laughs> my video is going in and out. It's not doing too well today, guys. I'm not quite sure what to do. Is how's the sound? Can you hear me? I just want to. I just want to know if my, you can hear me. Great. All right, let's keep going. So the um, basically the share of trade operations between Russia and China using U.S. dollars it fell to forty six percent at the start of twenty twenty. So you think about this, the, the global reserve currency, US, everyone is using this and then trade even between other countries, everyone's using US dollar. And then between Russia and China, it fell to 46%. Now, five years earlier, it was at 90%, 90% of their trade five years earlier was in US dollars. And now it, at the start of 2020, it fell to 40, 46%. So that's pretty huge. Gradually, people are not using US dollar. What does this mean for US dollar value? Well, if less people are using it, that demand is also going to be going down. I mean, it's it doesn't look good. The value of US dollar really has been propped up because it's this international reserve currency. So the fact that it's all going down now is a little bit um, is a little bit scary for the US dollar. Um, so now let's move back to Russia. Why don't why aren't they using rubles to trade? Well, rubles are incredibly volatile. Absolutely, they they can't use that. It's impossible to sign long term contracts because of the high volatility of the ruble. So now the government is talking about other currencies. They're talking about well, we're going to start using different currencies. Uh, like uh, if we're trading with China, maybe we'll use yuan and rubles or whatever. Maybe we'll use a mix. And maybe they said we will even use Bitcoin. They actually mentioned this. So. Um, the the State Department, uh, the State Duma Deputy Pavel Zalv, <coughs> pardon me, Zalva, I can't pronounce that, Zavolny, Zavolny, uh, proposed a set of currencies for selling gas to foreign markets. They said that, you know, they could sell gas to the West for rubles and for gold. They said to friendly countries such as China or Turkey, they could sell it for national currencies or even bitcoins. So this is the chairman of the Energy Committee to, uh, to, of the State Duma who said this. 
This was his quote. If they want to buy, let them pay either in hard currency, and this is gold for us, or pay as it is convenient to us. So that's the way they're thinking now. You've got these sanctions that have kind of pushed them in this direction. They have to find a solution. Uh, and now they're saying, well, how about you know the fact that we control, <laughs> we're the second largest provider of oil in the world. How about you just pay us what's convenient for us for a change? They said the set of currencies uh, can be different and this is normal practice. You could also trade bitcoins. So now they're looking into that. Now, Zavalny's remarks may or may not have been behind a giant peak in, in Bitcoin that we saw. So when this news was announced over those 90 minutes, Bitcoin was up 3% on the day. It was at 44% uh, 44,000 for the first time since a brief spark in March. What is it right now? Look at my clock. It's at $44,489 right now, according to my little rocket in you you see they can't really but uh that's where we're at so a lot of people are saying this is very bullish for bitcoin i think it's not that bullish for us dollars and it, i wonder you know if this if they do go through with this there is the question of whether this is going to lead to further sanctions and crackdowns um because the government doesn't like not controlling the flow of money and if Russia's just like, well, we'll just use Bitcoin then. I think Bitcoin is going to be under more scrutiny by government. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but meanwhile, you've got the rest of the world that is also in return starting to reduce their dependence on Russian oil and gas. In fact, the White House just put out a tweet. They announced uh, that the United States will work towards supplying Europe with at least 15 billion cubic meters of liquefied natural gas in 2022 in partnership with other nations. So that's sort of where we're at with the Russia situation. A lot to pack in. And I hope you managed to to follow <laughs> follow all of that. Someone in the chat, David, just said like BTC is not volatile. No, it totally is. I think that they're kind of backed into a corner right now where they're forced to use more volatile currencies. So I think Bitcoin will be included, but I think Bitcoin will become a lot less volatile if there's just consistent demand for it across the globe. And it's seen more and more as this hedge against inflation, as a way to have uh, financial control. Like it's it's. It's a very interesting situation. Um, but anyway, I hope you guys have been keeping an eye on the quiz questions at the bottom there, sending in your answers. I want to move on to what's going on in Ukraine. So we talked about Russia and how they're using this to sort of evade sanctions and, uh, you know, maybe trade oil for Bitcoin. Then you've got Ukraine. But Bitcoin is also a lifeline for people there. A very interesting article came out from CNBC. And uh, I was I was pretty impressed by this because they were really showing these uh, benefits of financial sovereignty. And they laid out the argument pretty clear. This is a mainstream publication that's letting people know why, um, you know, cryptocurrency is so powerful. So uh, they say that... Many have turned to cryptocurrency to safeguard their cash, to bring their money with them, to accept remittances and donations and to transact with each other for daily necessities. And they have this case study of this one Ukrainian refugee. They call him Fady. They say he's 20 years old. This is a pseudonym, obviously, for privacy reasons. Um, they say that he took a USB stick with him across the border, which contained 40% of his life savings, which is about $2,000 in Bitcoin. Now, when he, when Sadie realized that, Fady, sorry, realized that his country was under siege, uh, he realized he needed to get his money quick, smart and leave because there was going to be a border closure. He wanted the chance to get out before it locked down. And obviously that have mass conscription, mandatory conscription for anyone, any man between the ages of 18 and uh, and 60, which is just devastating. And so he wanted to get out before that happened. Um, 
he needed money to do that. So he say he told CNBC, I couldn't withdraw cash at all because the queues to the ATMs were so long and I couldn't wait that much time. You know, hours were really of the essence that so um, uh, David is saying CNBC talks about Bitcoin all the time, by the way. Yeah, sure they do. But they talk about like market movements and like, oh, yeah, it's going up in price. This actually was a case study as to why financial sovereignty was interesting. You don't really see use uh, mainstream uh, places dig into this. So I thought it was pretty interesting. So he told CNBC that he made a peer-to-peer exchange with a friend trading $600 worth of his Bitcoin savings for Zloty, which is a Polish national currency. He then used that to pay for a bus across the border to Poland, a bed in a hostel for him and his girlfriend and some food. So that already was uh, this amazing resource because he couldn't get money out of the banks. Within two hours of Fady's safe passage into Poland, Ukraine closed its borders to all men of fighting age. So he literally just got out. Um, he took a USB with him. It came, as I said, contained 40% of his life savings or about $2,000 in Bitcoin. And that thumb drive combined with the unique passcode became the key to his financial survival. He said he could just write his seed phrase on a piece of paper and take it with him. So he also mentioned, you know, why it's so valuable. It's because Bitcoin is valid across borders. It requires no bank. It's tethered to its owner by a password, which makes it a lot e- harder to steal than cash. All these reasons why, um, you know, this is so valuable. Now, uh, he kept going and, and they said that apparently ATMs across the country started to run out of cash almost immediately. There, you know, people were standing in line and even if they got to the front, they then implemented a $33 limit per transaction. So people just were, were completely lost without their savings. And then, um, the central bank suspended electronic cash transfers the same day that Russia invaded the countries. So you couldn't actually send that money electronically. When someone else controls the financial r- digital rails, then you can lose your entire life savings and your life might be on the line. So it just goes to show the use case of of crypto here, why it's so important. And uh, it's interesting because they've got this quote that I want to read. So Brian Mossoff, who is CEO of Toronto-based crypto investment platform, Ether Capital, said, you know, in that part of the world, crypto, despite its volatility, despite the sentiments that the West has towards it, where everyone in the West, you know, they're so skeptical and whatnot, they don't ask why crypto, they just ask how. And that was such a, a good point. You know, in the West, people are not really seeing the need for this thing. And in Ukraine right now, they're not even asking like, well, why crypto? This is dumb. They're just saying, how do I do it? You know, the, the time is of the essence. This is important. This is like my last chance to get access to my money. So he continued and said, that's a very powerful thing for a group of people who don't have financial stability or political stability right now to be able to hold their net worth in some type of asset or product that essentially could be stored in a password. So I thought that that was really great. Um, the difficulty of pulling money out of the banks, it didn't just happen when Russia invaded it. It started weeks prior. So, you know, it, it was really difficult for anyone to pull money out of their banks during the weeks leading up to this invasion. But apparently, you know, most of the Ukrainian people um, so Hammond, this is what Hammond says, uh, said that uh, most of the Ukrainian people he knew uh, were actively trying to move as much money out of their Ukrainian bank accounts as possible in those weeks prior, whether it you know, be to UK banks or US banks or crypto or whatnot. Um, but Ukrainian banks, so Maria Chaplia, 
who's a Ukraine national. She's now living in Poland. She escaped. She said her Ukrainian bank wouldn't let her move out an appreciable amount of money and the fees that PayPal charged uh, were higher than she wanted to pay. And so she said with crypto, it was just much, much easier. Like it's incredible how people there are just really um, getting so much value out of this. And then uh, Gladstein asks, you know, how are you going to access Ukrainian bank account in Poland? Good luck. All of these things. I, I, I just want to kind of finalize this segment by saying that Ukraine was actually pretty unique in the lead up to all of this because they were already really on board with crypto. They're among the most you know, progressive crypto jurisdictions on the planet. And apparently the country ranks fourth globally in terms of digital asset adoption. And uh, you got Gladstein who said, you know, they all have phones. This is highly connected. It's very IT driven country, very computer literate, very phone literate, probably more than your average American. So I actually visited Ukraine uh, 2017 and I went to Kiev and I went to some surrounding areas and did a tour. And I was doing during that time, I was visiting a lot of different countries and seeing how crypto adoption was looking. This is yeah, 2017. And so I wanted to play a soundbite back then in 2017 of chatting to people in, in Ukraine. Let's go ahead and, and play that first one. Sergey, you work here and uh, you guys accept Bitcoin, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Why? Uh, because it's a cool, it's a new generation. How long have you accepted Bitcoin for? Uh, two months. Two months? Two months ago, yeah. Do many places in Kiev accept it? Is it popular? Uh, Yes, it's very popular. People come in our restaurant and uh, ask about Bitcoin. How many ask about Bitcoin? Uh, in one week, maybe 10, 15 people ask about Bitcoin. So already back then, this restaurant that I visited, they're getting a lot of people asking about Bitcoin. I then caught up with Natalia Gavrilenko, who was part of the Bitcoin Foundation in Kiev. And this is what she had to say. The Bitcoin Foundation. So tell me, what, what is that? We promote Bitcoin, uh, blockchain technology, and all uh, innovative technologies that uh, exist here in Ukraine. It's the biggest uh, Ukrainian community. We have like 4,000 4, people here uh, in Ukraine, and um, it's growing. Bitcoin probably the, the most uh, popular word here in Ukraine just because it's, it's growing super fast and everybody wants to know what is it. So already back then, 2017, Ukrainians were pretty tech savvy looking into Bitcoin adoption. It was pretty exciting what was going on there. So I'm just so glad that people there had this option when this really devastating thing has happened, that people are still finding this as a lifeline and they have alternatives because the traditional banking infrastructure has not helped them at all. So with Bitcoin, you know, you can cross a border. It doesn't matter if you don't have a Polish passport, you don't have a bank account. None of these things matter. You can still have access to your money. And that's just so so important right now. So the final thing uh, that I want to mention today's show, really exciting stuff going on in St. Martin's. So St. Martin's, you know, part of the uh, Caribbean is super, super exciting stuff there. So um, there is a politician there who apparently has just opted to have his entire salary in Bitcoin Cash. What? Let's dive into these details. So the leader of the United People's Party and member of St. Martin's Parliament, Ronaldo Brisson, announced that he's becoming the first elected official to request his entire salary paid in Bitcoin 
cash. He believes that uh, that St. Martin could be the crypto capital of the Caribbean. So it's really interesting to see what's going on there. I've been following a lot of videos with all of these plays, like hundreds of merchants accepting uh, Bitcoin cash there. Really interesting stuff. I always like visiting places where I can use my crypto easily day to day. If I have to use an intermediary, okay, that's fine. But when you have stores accepting it directly, that's even better. I, I really love seeing businesses start to, you know, um, explore cryptocurrency and uh, become part of the crypto economy there. Apparently, I mean, Caribbean has, and a lot of people pronounce it Caribbean. I don't know, Caribbean, that's a, how we in Australia generally pronounce it. Um, Caribbean has become a hotbed for cryptocurrency adoption and uh, specifically Bitcoin Cash. And if you look at the map.bitcoin.com, you can see that there are currently hundreds of merchants there accepting Bitcoin Cash for all kinds of goods and services, which is pretty exciting. I want to bring up this uh, tweet. So we had Briz on this politician uh, announce on Twitter, you know, today I become the first elected official in the world to have uh, his entire salary paid in Bitcoin Cash as I country moves more and more to making use of cryptocurrency and blockchain and oh we've got the quiz question up there make sure that you are uh you're sending in your things we will announce the winner soon so he continues and says uh thanks roger there for the guidance in making st martin the, the crypto capital of the caribbean yeah roger has done tremendous work just spreading adoption as he always does i mean he's called bitcoin jesus for a reason like early days he was the one out there on the streets getting all of these merchants to adopt it and just you know giving people tips in in bitcoin and and just spreading the word about crypto in general so he's doing the same thing at these islands uh a big part of why a lot of people are adopting it but now it's really taken over super popular lots of merchants getting involved um you know, Brisbane then says that the next important step is to introduce cryptocurrency and blockchain legislation. So what kind of legislation? He goes on and explains, well, we need to improve our legacy forms of commercial banking by means of my proposed consumer banking legislation. We simultaneously need to create legislation to make cryptocurrency transactions even more effective and worthwhile in St. Martin. He said that they started to explore legislation to make Bitcoin Cash legal tender in the country, which is really exciting. And he says he also aims to get Bitcoin Cash and non-fungible token uh, NFTs transactions exempt from St. Martin's capital gains tax. So pretty exciting stuff going on there. I mean, three examples today in our show of countries on the world uh, embracing crypto in, in different ways, whether it's, you know, as a lifeline for savings, whether it's uh, exports for oil, whether it's everyday transactions. There are all kinds of ways this has started to permeate our society. And, um, you know, as being someone who's been in this space for like almost a decade now, it's just so interesting to see us get to this point with, you know, very diverse regions um, starting to recognize this is a universal tool that doesn't abide by arbitrary geopolitical boundaries out there. And uh, and this is for everyone. It's a tool that, that we could all benefit from. So I, I really appreciate how universal this is, how it kind of brings people pulled together there. So to, to finalize this show, I want to go to this Twitter poll that I posted. I asked the question to Twitter, if Russia starts to accept Bitcoin for oil, will it spend spill, spell the end for USD? And we got some interesting results. So overwhelmingly, people said uh, yes, but not immediately. So they think that this will 
spell the end for USD, then you got 37%. So a close second said, no, the USD has legs yet. Uh, you've got next said, yes, uh, crash incoming. And then we've say, you know, crypto, I use crypto, not fiat. So who cares? Um, I, I like those people. 8.5% of the people, you get it. Like, why does, why does it matter where it's USD for if you're only in crypto? Um, so very interesting. I think that I probably agree with most people. Yes, but not immediately. I, you know, going back to what we talked about in our first segment, if the US dollar uses this ability to control international financial rails with this trading of oil and it starts to become less in demand. You're seeing the predominance of US dollar as a global reserve currency is going down further and further. And uh, so it is definitely going to have an effect. Um, the US just can't print astronomical amounts of money and expect it to retain value if it's no longer in such demand across the world. So we'll have to see what happens there. And then, you know, some people say, no, USD has legs too. It's kind of the same answer as yes, but not immediately. <laughs> All good things come to an end, right? So, you know, it has legs yet. So yeah, maybe it still has a bit to go. Maybe there's no imminent crash. Um, but I do think that the predominance of, of US dollar is definitely going down and people should be, uh, be, looking to other options and definitely in a, in a state of incredible inflation that we're seeing right now, 7.9% by official numbers. Um, people should be looking to diversify and maybe not hold their money in cash anyway. So let's go to our quiz questions. I love that you guys were all sending in your answers. I, uh, I, 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 I'm enjoying the quiz. I don't know if you guys are, but I'm enjoying the quiz because I like seeing you guys like uh, fighting over the answers. First of all, you get a DM from Naomi Brockwell on social media asking if you'd like personal crypto advice. Do you? A, sign up right away. She's a legend, if I don't say so myself. B, chat to her first. Make sure it's really Naomi. And C, it's a scammer and the name name uh, name is spelled incorrectly. Block and report. It's absolutely C. And it's surprising how many people still reach out to me and say, hey, Naomi, just security check. Am I chatting with you right now on Instagram? And I have to say every single time, no, I'm not chatting with you on Instagram. I'm not going to be DMing you out of the blue on all of these platforms. Um, if you do want to verify whether something is me, go somewhere where you know that it's actually my account. On Twitter, I have a verified check mark. So you feel free to, you know, tweet at me and I'll almost surely say, no, I'm not talking to you. I've had close friends say like, Naomi, what happened? I was right in the middle of, you know, understanding this thing. And then the account, dis the, the conversation disappeared. Don't fall for that stuff. It happens all the time. You know, there are even smart people getting duped by this. Um, so just be really, really careful with that stuff. Don't fall for any of it. I'm never going to reach out to you with this advice. All the advice that I give is going to be on this channel right here. Um, and it's never going to be financial advice. So I just not I don't do that. Number two, what does HODL stand for? A, hold on for dear life. B, hold on dear libertarians. Or C, it's a typo uh, for hold with tremendous seeking power. Technically, the answer is C. That's how HODL first came about. But HODL can be whatever we want it to be. So I'm going to accept all three answers as the correct answer for that one. Sure, hold on dear libertarian. Okay, you know, HODL, HODL is special to all of us. It's unique to all of us. So you you do you. Uh, number three, you get a call from Coinbase Fraud Prevention. What do you do? Verify that it's you by giving them your account details. 
B, hang up and call Coinbase directly and ask about the issue. Or C, speak to a manager to verify it's actually Coinbase calling. Well, C is not going to do much good if they're a scammer. You'll be like, hey, can, can I speak to the manager to confirm? They'll be like, sure, here's the manager. Um, I am the manager of Coinbase. Like, it's not going to happen. You need to go and actually find the Coinbase official website, find a contact number that you can call directly, call them back. And if it really is Coinbase, they will have a note saying that someone was talking to you and you'll be able to continue the conversation. Never, ever, ever, whether it's Coinbase, whether it's your bank account, whether it's your telecom provider, never give anyone details about your account or your idea or anything if they've called you. Very important. All right, we have a winner. I'm going to do a drum roll. Sam, who is our winner for today? Our winner today and the recipient of Eternal Crypto Beat Glory is YouTube viewer Wayne. Congratulations, Wayne. Wayne. You have attained Eternal Crypto Beat Glory. Congratulations, Wayne. And Sam, tell me a little bit about Wayne. I well, want to know some fun facts that are actually 100% definitely real facts. Absolutely legitimate, not made up in any way. Fun facts about Wayne. He enjoys fast internet. Way... I am not sure exactly <laughs> what this means. Wayne days. Wayne days. Wayne days. It was a great and pun. I appreciated it. I, I like that. I like that. I wasn't sure where he was going with it. And then we have he enjoys checking his crypto assets by the light of a beautiful sunset. Congratulations, Wayne. Beautiful. All right, Wayne. You did a great job. You now get eternal glory and you can take that glory with you anywhere you want. Let's hope you take it to our next live show. We come to you every Thursday with our Privacy Beat Show at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We come to you every Friday with our Crypto Beat Show, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we put out other videos throughout the week. Make sure you're keeping an eye out and uh, come hang with us on Twitter or any of the other platforms where we are. We love hanging out with you guys. Go have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for being here, everyone. Hope you enjoyed yourself and we will catch you next week.